The Stage Door Show. Celebrating the independent artist. With your host, Dave Hondell. Hi everybody, welcome to The Stage Door Show tonight. This is Dave Hondell. Tonight we have an incredibly talented actor and producer with us, and he not only excels on the screen and behind the camera, but also has a lot of interest outside of the entertainment uh, industry, which we'll talk about. But let's bring him in right now, Mr. Jonathan Stoddard. Jonathan, thank you so much for being with us tonight. It's, it's absolutely my pleasure, Dave. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. Uh, I wanted to kind of get into this because your career path almost took you uh, a different direction, let's say, but I know that you have, uh, you know, you graduated from Le Cordon Bleu, which is, of course, renowned for culinary, and, you know, you started, you worked in one of the top restaurants in, in Italy, in Venice. So talk about what made you, I guess, uh, kind of pivot away from the culinary world into acting. Uh, that's a great question. It's it's a really interesting story, right? We, as we go to school, we're trying to figure out like pressures from our parents and then also juggled with what we want to do. At least that's the kind of pressure that I was feeling. So I went into college. Uh, everyone in my family, they're, they're all either doctors or, or just very smart, intelligent people. And I'm the youngest of four. So I will comfortably say I was always the dumbest kid at the table just because <laughs> everyone's always smarter than me, you know? Growing up in that age, what's two plus two? Four. No, I wanted to answer. <laughs> Being like the youngest. You know, one of those <laughs> yeah. things. And um, there was something about, like, the, that first transition. I first went to, to college, and I was a physics major, declared physics major, drama minor. And then I dropped out after three years. And there was something about food that it covers the physics basics it or not basics but like astronomy like science and cells and molecules and and it's also one of the the most necessary things to our existence is money and food right so i went into food culinary was incredible i encourage every single person on the planet to get into culinary and i wish it was it was taught more yeah and so when i started traveling I uh, went to New York. I started working for Cipriani over there. And consistently, I'll say, and this is how I ended up getting back into acting, was that every single chef that I met, I would say probably over 95% of them, they weren't happy. They were burnt out. They didn't have good family lives. Most chefs at that level, you're managing a kitchen. You're not actually cooking anymore. Right. So the passion isn't, isn't fed every single day. So I don't mind doing like really intense passion-based work, but I, I want to be involved. I want to have my hands in. I want it to be tangible. I want it to stimulate all my senses. And food originally, cooking does that, but on a massive scale. And to do that at a high level, you stop doing it unless you're a line cook. Right. So there was a moment when I was in Venice, Italy, and uh, Arrigo Cipriani, the, the new owner, because his father opened it, yeah. So Diego went up to him and he asked him, or he asked me if I wanted to stay in Italy for five years or open up their, uh, excuse me, open up their Las Vegas branch and start their spread from New York over to the West Coast. And that's when I was like, wow, I was in my early 20s. I think I was at the end of 21 or 22 years old. I was like, I, what am I doing? Like, what yeah. would I do, right? Classic question. What would I do if I could do anything right. for free? Like, what what do I love doing so much that I don't have to get paid for? Right. And it was acting. Yeah. So I left Italy, 
moved uh, moved to LA, slept on a couch, and the journey began, and then it quickly ended two years after that, and that's a whole other story. <laughs> wow. Now, did you do, um, in high school, I mean, did you do drama? Did you do acting, like stage acting, anything like that? Is that kind of where it spurred your interest in acting? Yeah, my, I think um, I was the only one in the family that my parents were kind of like, here, go to the stage. And I don't know if it's because I'm hyperactive or if that's just, again, I'm the youngest of four. So by that point, they're kind of like, well, you know, our children are harder to kill than we thought. So let's not pad the doors anymore. <laughs> we don't have to put bubble wrap around everything. Yeah. You don't always have to wash your hands. Like let's, let's toss them on stage someplace so that we can deal with the other kids. And, <laughs> um, and so I don't know, it was, it was that community that I, I grew up uh, during the school year, during the summers, any chance that there was a theater production, my parents had me involved from musicals to dramas to summer programs you know anything involved that was just handsy involved and and active so i yeah. spent a lot of time there that's where i felt the most comfortable you know i think uh jonathan you know speaking of uh you know just some of the things that we're, we're talking about now like you know the, the culinary piece and you know the acting piece and you know i understand you're also i mean uh, an accomplished musician as well uh we talked about that a little bit before we started recording but you know it, everything is is creative in your life i mean it, yeah. it, talk about the passion to create and the importance of that and you know especially with something like you said you know your parents were like let's put them on stage or you know just from my experience with my kids it's uh the creative arts are uh you know incredibly um accepting of everybody you know no matter yeah. what and it, it's i think it's it's uh, built my kids self-esteem and i think that you know anybody that gets into the creative arts will see that there's a lot of support and there's a lot of um you know i guess like-mindedness i guess and that kind of gets you yeah. that those juices flowing a little bit and talk about the importance of of uh that support that you get in that community how old are your kids? Um, my my daughter's twenty eight. She's gonna be twenty nine uh, next month, and then my son uh, just turned twenty seven. Wow, that's awesome! Yeah. And when they were younger, you put them on stage as well. Oh, they they grew up in the on the theater in the theater uh, community theater <laughs> regional theater. Absolutely. Because yeah, to to your point, there there is a place for everyone, and there's not like it doesn't matter how introverted you are. There is there is something about permission of the stage. That allows the, uh, you know, it's almost like, have you seen those videos of people who are like 90 years old, they can barely move, and then they sit down at a piano, and they become like they're 20, and they're fluid and moving, or, exactly. or they like huddle, huddle over, you know, to a guitar, and then yeah. all of a sudden, you know, they're, it's so beautiful. There's something about the stage right. that you can take someone who's so shy and introverted, they get there, and if they've spent any time on the stage, all of a sudden, they come alive. They get off the stage. All of a sudden, the world gets interesting, confusing, challenging. The rules don't apply. Yeah. But on stage, it, it is transformational. It's a different world. Yeah, I agree. You've done a lot of um, a lot of TV work and and film work. You know, I guess uh, how was that transition for you? Because I know you went into you're also on Young and the Restless, which is another world. I guess uh, you know, uh, you know, yeah. there, there are people people think that actors, you know, it's all the same, and it, it really varies. I think whatever discipline you're doing, if it's soap operas or if it's stage or if it's screen, I mean, there's different methods to do what you do. So talk about that. How do you transition from one to the other? Because as an actor, you could go from the stage today to the screen tomorrow, and you have to you have to adapt to that. That correct yeah absolutely there's acting for the craft and then there's acting for the frame 
and growing up on the stage there is no i mean your frame is the auditorium right so of, of course you're trying to fill it um that was a very very challenging thing to learn how to do because especially as as an artist and i think every single artist struggles with this we all go in wanting wanting this to be like some beautiful expression of ourselves which it is but then you also have to you have to tailor it within a certain medium so in order to be accomplished in anything you can't just completely go rogue and say well yeah you know in the name of artistry you ah, will never <laughs> take our freedom yeah. like the, the artistry doesn't work necessarily like that you still have to find uh, find a way and this is what i mean if if the frame is a close up and i'm acting like i'm on stage my my big movements to fill the stage all of a sudden become disjointed way too nauseating for the viewer on a close up because instead of showing showing confusion with like hunching over or physicalizing it now it's just maybe a double blink and an eye shift yeah and it's it's a really hard thing to convey personal concepts of artistry versus how understanding how it's interpreted so now my the the art and i'm still learning this constantly um i I was actually just with the director this morning going over an edit for a movie that we have and i was lucky enough to to have him ask my input on some things and i'm watching my performance and there is still you know i kick myself sometimes where it's like i i wish i knew the frame was going to be this wide or this big because i would have behaved or acted differently to show my emotions to fill that frame uh, versus as an actor, typically you only see one side of the camera yeah. and I only know the information being told. Like it is, it is a very wild art form. Uh, and it's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm still learning every single day, but yeah, it, it was a very hard transition. I'm still working on it. You know, and you're also a producer did becoming a producer make you a different actor. And what I mean by that is when you see things from behind the camera, does that change how now your your actor Jonathan Stoddard after you produce something does that change uh, the way you approach your acting now that you produce something you know what I mean does that make sense oh yeah I mean absolutely one hundred percent there were so the the short story is when I moved down to LA and I slept on the couch I did extra work and stand in work for about a year and a half and then uh, I ended up due to a parkour injury cracked my head open, stopped acting, uh, went back up north and got back into restaurants. And then I started acting in San Francisco again before I moved back down. Okay. And part of the reason why this matters is because when I was there and I decided to move back down, I booked two SAG national commercials that all of a sudden, the money back then for commercials were great. So I took all that money and I started learning photography because I wanted to develop that relationship. I didn't want to go, uh, I didn't want to become a waiter again and do what I did before when sure. I was in LA. So I started learning photography because I wanted to know that relationship. I wanted to know behind the camera. And I didn't have anybody to introduce me to all this stuff. So it was all self-taught. It was all YouTube. It was all purchasable classes for photography, video work, all that kind of stuff. And that ultimately led me to producing. Yeah. So why this matters or how that affected my craft is because as I'm acting, it's really easy to think that every single scene is about me as long as I'm in it. Mm-hmm. 
And that's a common, very common misconception. I know I struggled with it all the time. It's if I'm there, then I need to give a hundred percent. And the truth is that the scene has its own essence and I'm a part of the scene. And then in the edit, they're going to add music. They're going to add the scene before contributes, the scene after contributes. Right. So my acting, this isn't a sprint in the Olympics where I have to go all out for this scene and, and give it everything. This is about understanding how is this going to cut? How is this going to edit? Yeah. What's my relationship with the camera? How big is the frame? Um, so getting into producing has affected dramatically where I'm understanding more and more, okay, my, my art is the movie. It's not this moment. Yeah. The story is the movie. The story isn't just this scene. Yeah. So how do I play with that within my dialogue, my performance? I could be in the scene, but it could really be the point could just be about increased energy and about my, my fellow actor and about their journey or what they're discovering. And if I'm too big, it could steal from that. So yeah. when I, all of this to say, when I'm on, when I'm on set and I'm acting, I try to edit the movie in my head for what I think we're doing based off of the shots I think we're getting. Yeah. And that influences my performance. And if I hadn't produced or seen behind the camera or anything like that, I, I would have no, I, I would have no understanding. And I think that's contributed greatly to how uh, my career has developed over the last two years, which has been pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, uh, we have we have a lot of young artists that listen, and you know, a lot of them are actors, actually, a lot of young actors that, that are either in high school or just out of high school, or maybe they're in college. And, you know, I just, I guess, in a nutshell, kind of put together what a day in the life of an actor really is, because I think what people see is is the end product you know they see somebody on tv or in the movies and they're like man that looks like that's so cool i want to be an actor and, and i want to live that that glamorous actor life and i don't think what people realize is that is that it's not as glamorous as people uh, you know might think you know either being a musician or an actor or anything in the creative arts i mean it's hard work and not just hard yeah. work but you got to be 150 percent in uh and you know it's long hours long days and sometimes you know weeks and months away from your family so in a nutshell kind of talk about that a little bit a day in the life of jonathan stoddard uh <laughs> that's a great question very very difficult to answer um and i'll say so over the over the last few years i've done something very bizarre and it's been uh i i filmed over 26 27 movies in the last two years. Wow. Um, I've literally been jumping from one thing to the next. So the, the, if that means anything, all it means is that whatever plans you have as an actor, get rid of them. Yeah. It means that if you are going to go hang out with your family, if you're going to, and these are the sacrifices, if you want to go see your friend's baby shower, go to that wedding, go to the birthday party. And then you get that audition that's due the next day. You have to make the sacrifice yeah. and you have to do the audition and you can't just burn through it because this is your, your reputation. Yeah. And especially now uh, when everything is, you know, still every, most everything is still self-taped. Some people are going back, but right. it is all I can say is that it, it is a constant tug of war between what 
I need to do for my own marketing because no one else is going to build your career but you. Right. It doesn't matter if you have an agent or a manager. They're they're never going to do as much as you can or you will. Right. And if you do nothing, they have nothing to work with. So yeah. they can only move as fast as you do. Correct. Um, and so you have to be your own CEO and you have to understand your craft and you have to be able to show up, drop anything at the drop of a hat or drop everything around you at the drop of a hat to be able to show up, do what you need to do, be available for that call, put in whatever work you have to put in to be able to get those lines down, study who you're going to be going out for because auditioning for Disney is different than auditioning for HBO. Right. Doing the research and getting on SAG after or uh, inside the actor's studio or podcasts like this and trying to absorb and learn as much as you can. Yeah. Because until you get on set, you have no experience. Yeah. And so it's impossible. It's that catch 22. Well, we'll hire you when you're really good and you know how to handle yourself on set, but we're not going to hire you for set because you don't know what to do. Right. Yeah, exactly. Great. Wow. So it's, it's this constant, it's a, it's a constant autodidactic, like self-taught. You have to constantly be involved in your own education and your own growth and then your own evolution. Yeah. And it is honestly one of the single hardest things I've ever done in my life. Yeah. It's incredibly isolating, but very rewarding. Yeah. I mean, and talk, you mentioned this, but, but talk about the importance of your reputation. I mean, obviously there's actors worldwide and there's movies being shot worldwide, but it's a very small world. And a director you might work with today, you might work with in another five years or 10 years or whenever. And, you know, talk about that reputation, because if you have a great reputation, you'll do a lot of work. If you don't have a good reputation, it might be a short career, right? Yes. Uh, in today's world, especially with access, uh, nobody wants the, the high and mighty ego anymore. Yeah. And, and it's few and far between that those people, even as major celebrities uh, with cancel culture, yeah. you don't last. Right. So they'll take somebody who's less qualified with a better reputation than somebody who's overly qualified, who is an absolute, yeah, uh, just menace. Yeah. Um, and I'll say, I'll speak from my own personal experience. My motto is that is swing to the ball, right? Classic baseball. Yeah. But when I'm on set, my job is to book another movie. Right. And it's because when I'm there, now I have an opportunity to not only learn, grow, and do my thing. But now I have an opportunity to show, connect with the producers, connect with that director. Most of the directors, and the only reason I was able to do so many movies in the last two years was because these are all repeat directors, producers, and casting directors. Yeah. The reputation these days is everything. It's one tweet that puts you in the grave. Yeah. It's one post from someone, but it's also, it works the other way, just a little more quietly. Yeah. It's that one recommendation from the director to casting that goes, you know what, Jonathan was phenomenal on set. Yeah. Where that one director is like, you know, I'm getting ready for this other movie. Uh, even though this is a rom-com, this is going to be like a dark thrilling. And then I have that one minute pitch to them. It's like, oh, well, I did this other, like I've done thrillers. I can do that kind of stuff. Because most people can't see you out of what you're currently in. Yeah. And so if you've done the work and you have the materials, you have things. And this is what happened to me with Lindsay Hartley. We were shooting a rom-com and she happened to mention that she was shooting this other more intense, serious thriller. And I said, well, I have, like, I, I've, 
I do intense, super intense stuff. It's not all lighthearted, right. you know, fun guy for a rom-com. Right. And I sent her uh, a trailer from it, a little clip from it. And this movie hasn't been released yet. And then since then, I've worked with her, I think, two or three more times. Wow. And she's she's phenomenal. So it's these relationships like you're talking about yeah. in today's world are everything. I can't stress that enough. Your reputation needs to be on point. Yeah. And if you don't know what you're doing, you have to find a way to still swing through the ball and let people like you yeah. communicate, learn how to follow, learn how to be teachable. Like people can love you without without you needing to be on a pedestal speaking. Right. You know, having having a good heart goes so far in this business. Absolutely, in life as well. It's 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 one of the yeah. one of the things that we need more of in this world. But uh, yeah, you're absolutely yes. right, and it's very well said. Uh, you know, some of the new stuff that you're working with, I, I know a lot of work is is uh, you know 2022, like you know current stuff that isn't either released yet or just got released. So talk about some of the new uh, project that that you have coming out or that you can speak about actually. Uh, well, I mean, most I will say most of everything is is listed on imdb um so i can make reference to everything because the man i'm at a really cool place right now after all those movies i have to admit i was a little burnt out so after (laughs) after uh, i just got back from montana um we were shooting a movie called somewhere in montana with graham mctavish uh, michelle hurd just a a phenomenal cast yeah We we had a great time wow and my goal was after montana i'm back in LA. Yeah. And I've, I've basically been in LA maybe a month and yeah. I was shooting a movie here, but that's the longest I've been in LA for the last two years. Wow. I live here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of live um, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. Um, and so and this is a regroup period for me of, of like uh, gathering materials, redoing my online uh, profile status, everything. And wanting to recenter because sure. so much has happened. But that said, um, I had a movie come out yesterday. Uh, it was a uh, it was called Lies My Sister Told Me, and then I had another movie come out a week ago, um, Nightmare PTA Moms. <laughs> <laughs> and then a couple weeks ago, there was another movie release. <clears throat> there, there's some really cool things that are going to be coming out from thrillers to rom coms to. Um, uh, Hallmark Lifetime theatrical releases from really great comedies. Uh, we shot this comedy called The Plus One with Cedric the Entertainer and Ashanti, and it, and that was actually in Florida. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, we filmed that nice. out in Clearwater, and it's. I don't. I don't know. If you pick one, I don't know how to narrow it down. Yeah. If you pick one, <laughs> they're all then good. I can tell you about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because there, there's so many in my head, and there's so many unique, fun, amazing stories about each and every one. Yeah. Um, but the yeah, it's what's about to happen over the next year um, for movie releases is really going to be something phenomenal. That's and incredible. I, we can't wait for I just all of be ready. Yeah. Um, yeah. really yeah. like your work, man. It's, it's, you know, a lot of the stuff we saw, um, my wife and I, uh, so yeah, it just, yeah. you know, just, uh, again, just really, really enjoy your acting, Jonathan. And, um, you know, one of the things that I also want to cover, uh, is, is your music because, 
uh, you know, you talk about the creative arts. Um, you know, when you were very young, you started, you know, enjoying music. And and uh, I, I know you have some some big influences I read about, you know, the Eagles and B.B. King and so forth. And uh, so talk yes. about your music, because, I mean, you know, I think people that are creative, I think there's other things that they do. We talked about your photography and about your culinary, but talk about your music, because I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I'm a musical person, and I, I really, uh, you know, when I saw that, I wanted to ask you about that. So talk about your music. Well, so it all started. <laughs> uh, so my my parents were very uh, specific. We had to be raised on the piano, and then um, somewhere around when I was thirteen, they were like, "Then you can pick your own instrument." But I used to hate learning the <laughs> piano. Yeah, it's and, a good start, uh, though, cried. for sure. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, later, it's one of those things. As an adult, I'm like, "Thank God I played the piano!" Like, <laughs> yeah. go parents for forcing me to do yeah. that, and and you know they. They they did they did some really good things. That's good. Um, but the Eagles Hotel California. My oh, brother because amazing. he was older and I'm the youngest. Yeah. Oh, he he started playing the guitar and I just thought he was so cool. And then that was for me. I was born in '84, so going into like the end of the '80s and into oh, the '90s. Oh, best time in music. Oh, amazing! <laughs> yeah. Amazing. To, I mean, and, and I my influence is because everyone was older was from late '70s, which. Yeah. The, the uh, absolutely phenomenal music from late 70s 80s yeah uh early to mid 90s yeah um still today i mean it, it, it still holds up and it's great and it's the best time you can possibly have just put on an 80s record but anyway so i started learning guitar and then while i was in culinary school right after i graduated i actually ended up cutting my index finger on oh, my wow. fret hand oh no and so i couldn't i couldn't bend my hand anymore yeah and what i was doing during that period of time is i was going to culinary school and then i had gotten a copy i i downloaded a hacked version of the berkeley school of music mm -hmm. textbook okay and i was teaching myself music theory okay so it was food and music during that period of time well you were teaching yourself and music theory you're all in at that like, point <laughs> yeah i mean I, I was like you know what when i get older i'm gonna do this uh I want to create, uh, I want to have like a, a Grammy. Um, I want to have a notable song in mm -hmm. every single genre. Sure. If not a whole record. So I want to do a blues record. I want to do a rock record. Like I, so I have to learn Latin for music basically, right. which is music theory. Yep. I want to know how it works. Uh, so I was, I was going to town and I was eating it up, so to speak, during yeah, culinary school, which is sure. <laughs> Got my finger and then stopped playing because I couldn't play anymore, period. And so I actually gave up on music entirely. And then uh, somewhere around, um, it was a couple years later, I was gifted a guitar. And somebody said that I should, I should just start picking it up and start playing here and there. Yeah. So my hand, I mean, obviously you can see it now. Sure. Now I can, I can close my hand fully. Right. I just started playing. And I'm very much, a lot of that stuff still stuck. Yeah. Now, I couldn't tell you the breakdown. I couldn't explain a lot of the music theory, but a lot of it is there in terms of the sonic, um, uh, sonic understanding, scale understanding, uh, movement, and, yeah. and, and energy through music. And so I still play. And, and then one day uh, I met this incredible woman who's, who's now my girlfriend. And she and I played, so we just passed the guitar back and forth. Sure. And she was a, she is diehard music is her life. And so she used to open for Journey and, and Dispatch and tour all around the wow. world. And, um, yeah, she's phenomenal. And That's fantastic. Went to school. Music was her thing. Sure. 
And so she was, by the end of it, she was like, well, I can write lyrics and melodies and do all this stuff all day long, but playing is where I have difficulty like doing that while I'm doing this. And yeah. I said, well, I can do chords and melodies and everything all day long. That's simple. Yeah. But I, I have trouble speaking and singing and doing that while I'm doing it. So I, I end up, you know, my voice and my hands can't keep up. Sure. And we said, well, this would be a perfect match. Yeah. Never talk to each other. A year and a year and a <laughs> half later, and it was right before quarantine. She called me and was like, "I have this uh, main stage gig for Carrie Underwood. I remember the way that you played. Wow. I want to do a stripped down acoustic set. Would you be interested?" Wow! And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> yeah. I was filming in yeah, I was filming in Seattle at the time. I was like, "Yes, hundred percent. Yes, I'll be there." And she's like, "Well, hang on. I don't know. I don't know." <laughs> uh, and then I I finished that movie. I came back and we wrote for eight hours the first time we got together. Wow! And then. Uh, we did that for like three different nights that week. We yeah. wrote her whole set list. Um, it was, it, the music just flowed out of us. Uh, we wow. even coined the term sneezing. We're like, Oh, we sneezed again. We have another song. <laughs> and, uh, and it was phenomenal. And then quarantine happened yeah. and we had indie record deals. Uh, people, we were flying back and forth from Nashville and Atlanta doing meetings in, wow. in and out of the studio. We ended up writing uh, just under 200 songs during those six months sure. of quarantine and lockdown. And, and then uh, and then successfully, and this is a whole other interesting story, yeah. the management for the music and everyone, they wanted me out and they just wanted to focus on her because mm-hmm. uh, she, was, she was the face, the voice, sure. and beautiful woman. Yeah. And so uh, CBS called me back to do Young and the Restless. And they were already trying to kick me out of the music, which happens a lot with artists. Right, right. And so we're like, okay, you know, this, uh, this journey is going to part. Yeah. And so I left Nashville, came back, uh, went back to Young and the Restless and started doing movies. And then, uh, about two and a half, three months later or two months later, she showed up and was like, I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this without you. Wow. And she, she's like, I, I left everything with the record labels. Um, fired managers, everyone. She's like, I'm doing this with you. Wow. And since then, we've been doing music. We uh, released a single uh, in May, and then we're getting ready to release a new single, and then we have the EP to follow. Well, speaking of your new single, uh, you know, we pre recorded a, a clip with you and uh, your girlfriend, Taylor, about that single. So let's go to that clip. Hey guys, this is Taylor Watson. And I'm Jonathan Stoddard. And thanks so much, Dave, for letting me crash your interview with John here to uh, talk about our music journey and the new single. We've been writing together for years now, and it's been nothing short of magic since we started. Well, so this this next single in particular called... Not My Type. Not My Type. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a really special one because uh, it's inspired by our relationship. So uh, for everyone out there, this is your sign to stop falling for toxic people. It's 2022. We're not <laughs> doing... Toxic masculinity or toxic femininity anymore? No, the song is about raising your self worth and and setting new standards and falling for people who are healthy and good for us instead of you know just reliving those old patterns. Yeah, I think it's it's an important message actually. So we're so excited for you to hear our new song and it's coming out on August 26. Is that right? Uh, somewhere in August, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's August 26th that it comes out officially, but you're going to all get your kind of first sneak peek of it uh, right here. I'm so glad you're not my type. 
If all my exes lined up, they'd look like a lineup. I can't even tell the difference between them anymore. Mm, not anymore. Baby, you're a standout, standing with your hand out, taking me down a road I've never been before. Never been before. And then we're doing music plates. We have two different records, which is really exciting. This one that I'm talking about is more pop focused. Mm -hmm. And then this other one, uh, we're calling it a five star dive bar. Oh, wow. Which is, uh, <laughs> it's a fun juxtaposition. That sounds between, great. Yeah. Yeah. Like stripped down, kind of like cool, artsy, skillful music, um, which is going to be the acoustic stuff that everyone loves when we play. And then there's this hard, grittier side um that's going to be used more for like music placement sync uh music right. syncing right right because she did music licensing for lionsgate for a number of years oh, wow. so okay we're doing uh we're playing with it, it it's just phenomenal that's all i can say it's, well it sounds uh, to me like it, it could be a it could be a movie in the making as well yeah oh i'm sure we'll make a movie of this at some point yeah <laughs> that's fantastic uh just I, I loved i loved to hear it and uh you know again just just somebody with your talent and and just uh you know everything that you do jonathan it just i, I mean the sky's the limit for you we can't wait to see where the future you know what future holds and you know all these new that's projects cool. that you have coming up and um you know the other thing i always ask this of all my artists and uh you know i'm going to ask you as well but when it's all said and done, Jonathan, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want people to walk away with when they think of Jonathan Stoddard? It's a good question. I think an inspiration. For a long time, I had just three words that kind of represented what I wanted my life to be. I think they still hold true. Live, love, and share. And... I don't know. I, I want to represent that it's that it's possible, and that you don't have to you don't have to claw your way to the top. You can do it through being happy and dedicated. You can do it through being joyous and just really hardworking and figure it out, and and then just extending a hand. And if you know the cliche is that it's boring at the top, so don't get to the top alone. And I think that's. When people hear my name, I, I, I want them to think of an inspiration. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely well said. Uh, Jonathan, I really can't thank you enough. And, uh, you know, again, just a real pleasure to have you on the show. You're just a great guy. And like I said, just can't wait to see what's, uh, what's coming up in the future. And hopefully we'll have you back on the show again sometime. So thank you again. Yeah, absolutely. Pleasure is mine. Thank you very much, Dave. Thank you so much to our audience for listening to The Stage Door Show on iHeartRadio. Your support means everything. And always remember to support your local independent artists. 